Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Everyone, you know, welcome to our show. Uh, today, we discuss about SEO freelancing, how you can get results with such type of marketing, how you can sell your products, services. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Nick Leroy. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Anatoly? Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to learn more about uh, this journey because, you know, it's interesting that I started my SEO company in Ukraine uh, in freelancing. You know, I had another company that was online shop, but, you know, uh, that was hard to get uh, traffic because I tried to cooperate with many agencies, uh, the best marketing experts, but uh, traffic didn't come to my uh, shop and I decided to learn myself about SEO and in some time I changed directions you know when the Ukrainian revolution destroyed my business online shop I decided to <laughs> switch attention to SEO company and uh, so I'm excited to learn more about that before we start just tell more about your experience background and why you decided to take this topic yeah absolutely so my name is Nick Leroy and you know I've been in SEO for over 10 years now so I spent probably the first 10 years on the agency side. So really focusing on, you know, doubling down on my own skill set and ultimately making those owners a lot of money. Um, decided to switch over to a freelance career when I was actually fired during uh, COVID. You know, the company that I was working for had actually completely shut down their SEO offering. So it really was an opportunity where you know, I just saw, like I said, an opportunity for me to go out, you know, I felt my skills were polished enough and had enough opportunities, you know, to really go out and just help people on my own. And I never really looked back. It's been almost three years. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, we have a sponsor today, Ahrefs, uh, SEO tools and resources to grow your search traffic. Uh, do you know about Ahrefs? Can, can you share more about Ahrefs? What do you think about this tool? Yeah, absolutely. Ahrefs uh, is a great tool. I would say it's one of those tools that um, you know everyone needs to be able to have. You know, whether you're doing research for particular keywords or the way that I like to use it is really just kind of reverse engineer your competitors, try to understand what they're ranking for, what type of content's working for them, you know, and what's not working for them. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, Nick, uh, can you tell where to start? For example, if I'm going to quit my job because uh, I don't like it. By the way, I check out a few studies that 70% of people hate their jobs. It's a lot, you know, guys, if, if you have this issue, it's better to leave it, you know, and you will never regret, I promise you. Can you tell where to start? For example, if someone want to uh, get this freedom to earn money, to find their customers, can you tell more about freelancing? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing you can do for freelancing is actually invest in that while you are working for somebody else. You know, there freelancing is not, you know, black and white and that you have to do it full time or not at all. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, Anatoly, you might have had this experience too. It's like you're doing your nine to five, but you also want an opportunity to either, you know, work on sites or a particular platform that you may not have an opportunity to work on, you know, or you know, if you're like me, it's like you just want to be able to make a little bit of extra money. So my my best advice, first and foremost, before committing to freelance full time is just take on a client, you know, while you're working nine to five, 
I will caveat that by just saying, make sure that you don't have any issues you know, with your nine to five. You know, a lot of time there, there might be like a non-compete or in some extreme instances, I know some agency side or even in-house will say, you know, you cannot freelance. So just make sure you're covered on that aspect. But assuming you're all good there, um, really it's, it's just giving it an opportunity, you know, until you are in charge of, you know, all the project management, the execution of SEO reporting, you know, everything on that angle, like you really don't know if freelancing is going to be, you know, a good option for, for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm interested how to compete when you start from scratch, when you have no feedback, uh, anything portfolio, for example, I, I remember when, uh, uh, I got my first client because uh, I could overcome the obstacles to get traffic for my online shop. And in some time, some of my friends uh, came to me and asked, please help. You know, I, we want to get this traffic as well. Uh, so my first clients uh, were my friends, actually. Can you tell, for example, if uh, someone want to start this journey, but it's hard to compete up, uh, on Upwork or any other platforms uh, with uh, companies, uh, freelancers <laughs> that have so huge portfolio, many uh, positive feedback, uh, how to find your clients? Yeah, you know, I was very fortunate that I kind of came into um, the freelance world having a fairly established network. So I was able to, you know, go and ask people directly, not only for feedback, but also do you have any, um, you know, jobs or projects. So I think that's my biggest recommendation. I know this kind of goes back to the what do you do before you quit and go freelance. But I'm a big, big proponent of building a personal brand. And that mm -hmm. includes, you know, going on, you know, podcasts like this, you know, being on LinkedIn, you know, Twitter is exceptionally valuable for the SEO space. But it's like, get your name out, connect with people, and take advantage of just discussions. And you'll find that similar to SEO as a whole, you know, if all you do is ask day in and day out for favors, you're going to fall out of favor real quick. So try to add value, you know, just connect with people. And then at that point, like I said, what I had done was I was just reaching out to people and it literally consisted of a small email asking two questions. One, you know, my intent is going out on my own. Do you have any advice? And a lot of these individuals are people that I know either had freelance part-time or maybe they even started an agency, you know, such as you did, Anatoly. And you're just looking for any sort of feedback. And then the second question is, you know, do you have any potential work? And, you know, a lot of times if people didn't have work themselves, they might know somebody that needs a little bit of work. So really jumping deep into that network is how I think is the best way for you to start building some work, you know, quicker, you know, because it's going to take time to be able to rank or, you know, if you're building a newsletter or, you know, just even the larger network as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you know, um, when I got my first client on freelancing, uh, that was, uh, you know, not my friends. And uh, I spent more time with them. You know, for example, uh, I got it that I can't compete with many recognizable freelancers, but I can share more time, you know, uh, to explain mm -hmm. more. And my first payment was $200, you know, not bad, you know, from the start. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I've learned a few studies that people got a hundred dollars you know ten dollars but you know it's not about money it's more about experience because when you get this experience you can provide a lot more and help a lot more 
uh, can you tell uh, where to start, uh, how to find your freelance platform? And uh, or you mentioned about social media that you need to build your personal brand. Can we sell on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, on social media, you know, Twitter is a big one for me. And then LinkedIn is another one. You know, I personally, I think I used Upwork one time, you know, and that was just because there was a client lead that said that, you know, for internal reasons, they had to pay that way. But I know some people, you know, I have had success. In fact, um, I have a podcast called The SEO Freelancer. And one of the very first ones I did is, is talking to somebody who had made multiple six figures working exclusively on Upwork. I mm -hmm. think to your point, you know, a lot of people assume that if you work on Upwork, you have to be working for like $5 an hour. And that's not necessarily mm -hmm. the case. The reality is, as Anatoly, like you did, you know, I also worked for plenty of projects that, you know, were a hundred bucks here and there. You know, the reality is you have to start somewhere. And as you build that portfolio up, you know, and you'd be able to show more success, you could start charging more. And the same thing works for, you know, Upwork or, you know, any of those other, you know, job boards is you're able to, you know, charge more as you're able to prove yourself more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that you mentioned about building your personal brand. It's not only about freelancing, you know, when you have your personal brand, I don't know, for example, Neil Patel, yeah, it's it's a huge brand, you know, personal brand, Tony Robbins, many others, Gary V, and, you know, uh, I think these people can charge a lot more, you know, uh, for me, it's hard to imagine how much they can charge, for example, Neil Patel spoke on my podcast, that was hard, you know, to invite such people like Neil Patel, but it's possible, you know, it's really possible if you have... Uh, if you build uh, relationships with others, you can go ahead. And can you tell uh, how to uh, build your social media profiles, how to create brand awareness, personal brand awareness? Uh, because I know that uh, most customers don't buy from unrecognizable brands. They usually check out social media profiles. If they don't see your actions, if they don't see that you are passionate about that, it's uh, unlikely they will buy your products. Can you tell more about building personal brand? Yeah, I think you really nailed it. I think, especially in a world of SEO, there's so many people selling this product at various costs and not everybody is able to deliver you know, the same type of results. So people are always doing their research just to try to understand, like you said, you know, are they passionate about it? Do they have a portfolio? Do they have brands associated with them that you know add high value? So if we kind of rewind to the very beginning, the first thing that I would recommend is with your social media, it's like try to get the handle for your actual name. You know, so on mm -hmm. Twitter, I'm Nick Leroy, you know, and if the exact, you know, match isn't available, like on LinkedIn, I'm Nick Leroy SEO. You know, so mm -hmm. these are areas where it's like you want to just be able to get your brand, which is essentially your name, you know, first and foremost. So if you have a unique name, very likely it's going to be available. If your name is Jennifer Lopez, you're probably not going to be able to get them <laughs> quite as easily. But I would say the social media is really kind of your, your quick win because it's an option, opportunity for you to just become available in an area where other people ex exist. The second thing that I would do and I think is a huge opportunity is just being able to set up a website for your brand. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but for instance, I own nickleroy.com. And basically all I do on it these days is it's kind of like my online resume, but I have, you know, what have I done? You know, I have logos for sites that I've partnered with, you know, I have my service pages, 
you know, and then I even have links out to like the various newsletters and podcasts that, you know, I write. It's just another opportunity to be found. And especially if somebody mm-hmm. were to try to Google you for your brand or your name, it's just another opportunity for you to show up near the top. Mm-hmm. Valuable, valuable. Uh, I have a bunch of questions, you know, according to your replies. The first question, can you tell how SEO freelancer can compete with big brands, big websites that have a big uh, uh, audience, loyal audience uh, that have uh, a lot of resources and can provide the whole process. But SEO freelancer can uh, pay attention to one direction because they have no such team. Can you tell more about that? Yeah, I'm really glad that you asked that question because this is my entire selling point. I'm not a good salesman. I don't really like to pitch people. But what I do say regularly is, especially when I'm going up against agencies, the reality is agency. And like I said, I came from the agency world. So this is not me just like talking poorly about them. I know how this works. The reality is, is they have one or two or maybe a couple people that are really, really smart and they know their SEO. And those are the people that are going to clients and they're pitching the services. The reality is, is as soon as those people sign the contract, that work goes to junior level people within the agency. So, and there is value to that. You can scale and people are getting trained up, but the value of being a freelancer and the way that I pitch my services is you're talking to me right now. I'm hopefully selling you on the value that I can provide to you, but I'm not going to pass you off. You're going to work with me. We're going to be jumping on phone calls. Your emails are going to be coming from me. So the person who is selling you kind of the dream or the opportunity is the person that you're going to work with directly. And I would say nine out of 10 times when you're working with larger brands that are very well established, have big followings, it's going to be very rare that you're going to be working directly with the people that are, you know, selling you on that dream. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, I'm interested about uh, choosing priorities. For example, SEO is a huge, you know, you can't uh, cover all directions like content creation, technical optimization, uh, link building, PR campaigns, uh, EAT, many other algorithms. Can you tell how to choose your direction where you can be success, uh, much better than your competitors, big companies and uh, pay attention with that or it's better to uh, delegate some tasks with other freelancers. For example, I usually do it, you know, when uh, I have some uh, when I have clients and they can't decide some problems and 40% of recommendations of SEO specialists, uh, companies can't decide. You know, uh, you, you can provide a list of recommendations, please create content, please provide this link building campaigns, but 40 uh, 60% of them are ignored because they have no time, resources, or anything else. Can you tell about priorities? How to choose priorities, your strong sites, when you provide services, and do we need to delegate some tasks to others? Yeah, you know, and that's another good question. I think there's, you know, I'll use the standard SEO answer of it depends because I think there really are situations for all the above. I am a big fan of niching down within SEO. You know, for example, if you were to say, you know, Nick, what is your strongest suit within SEO? I would tell you it's technical SEO. So I like doing mm-hmm. the audits. I like digging into, you know, the bigger, the crazier the sites are, the more messed up they are are the ones that I enjoy the best. I think that's where people get the most value out of me. But you know what, there are other projects, you know, I have clients where I'm helping them oversee their editorial calendars, creating the content. Now I have established boundaries of like, I don't write the content. You know, I'm not a 
really good writer. It's not something that I enjoy neither. So I think there are situations where in best case scenario, your clients might have these resources, like they might have editors or writers on staff, but there might be times where you need to help them partner with other individuals, potentially freelancers or companies that are able to provide some of those solutions. And I think as a freelancer, that is part of your job. You know, it's kind of the, the, the get shit done model. You know, we can come in all day long and say, here are 40 things that you need to do and jump on week in and week out and say, why aren't you doing this? But, you know, that is not going to move the needle. You need mm -hmm. to be helping them, you know, remove roadblocks and helping them get things done. And if that means outsourcing or bringing in another partner, you know, let that be what it is. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, we have the question. It's not uh, even the question. Uh, uh, Ahmed uh, thinks uh, that I'm from Egypt. No, Ahmed, I'm from Ukraine. You know, <laughs> uh, Nick is from Minnesota. If I see uh, the right way, you know, on his T-shirt. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. But you know what we like online that we can unite everywhere worldwide. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, please share in the comments where are you from. It's interesting to know your native country, uh, cities. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, let us know. Uh, I'm interested about uh, technical SEO. Uh, if you have this direction, can you tell about your living tools and uh, what tools can provide uh, that you need to check out manually? For example, if I uh, scan any websites, find a bunch of errors, what I need to do manually because tools are not good with that. Yeah. And Again, you know, I'm going to say this after all of your questions, I know, but that again is a good question because I do think tools are just that they're tools. So that's one of the biggest frustrations that I have. I, I've seen other individuals, whether they be freelancers or um, agency or potentially even in-house, what they do is they run a site bulb or a screaming frog or SEMrush, you know, or Ahrefs, like they just run a report, they export and they say, okay, like, here's your audit. And the reality is, it's like, that's just kind of step one. Mm -hmm. So I literally just mentioned a bunch of those tools, but the first thing that I always like to do is make sure that I have access to Google search console. You know, that is a free tool that, you know, we are able to get, you know, valuable metrics directly from Google, you know, including any, you know, direct obvious issues that they are flagging for us. And then um, using your SEMrush, your Ahrefs, you know, it's good to be able to see kind of what these tools are doing. You know, I tend to use those ones a bit more to understand what the other competitors are doing. But it is great to know, you know, as well as your search console and analytics, you know, what pages are working well, how many keywords they're ranking for. Mm -hmm. But going back specifically to the technical side, I would say using a combination of Sightbulb and Screaming Frog are really my, my dual punch right there. And like you said, you run those and it does give you some reports. But what I do is I tend to use those as just the beginning parts, you know, so when we're seeing that there's broken links, you know, it's not just reporting, you know, here are 10 broken links. It's trying to better understand why are these broken? Oh, it's a mm -hmm. widget that is included across your whole website. So it's not that I'm telling you to update, you know, this same link across 10,000 pages. It's about updating this one widget that is providing an error. You know, mm -hmm. and I would say both of those tools, you know, and I'm going a little bit deeper in here. You can see this is where I, I get a bit passionate, but you know, there's things like rendering, 
you know, mm -hmm. it's like, how are we using these tools, you know, along with, um, you know, search console to better understand not only how a user views a website, but also, you know, how a search engine does. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, because this is probably one thing that I'm most passionate about is I've seen some really good audits from individuals and they're, you know, 60, 70, I've even seen like a hundred page audit before. And it's not that the details aren't valuable, but my biggest <laughs> pain point, what drives me nuts is very rarely do people actually tell you how to prioritize fixing these because there's mm -hmm. a difference between a list of everything that's broken or not meeting quote unquote best practice. And then there's the reality of here are the top 10 that are going to address 80% of your issues or are going to be the ones that mean, um, move the performance needle. And those are the ones that you want to prioritize first and foremost. Ah, uh, I love it. Uh, because you mentioned about, uh, priorities, you know, uh, I remember when I, uh, uh, when I did audit for my client and, uh, uh, then I asked him, uh, what he could fix for two weeks. And he replied to me, you know, I fixed, uh, all alt text from your audit. And when I check out, uh, this alt text, uh, there were, uh, these pages were about uh, contact about us and many other helpful pages and we don't need to fix them that was not right. critical i told him uh, you know we have other priorities can you tell how to find critical errors that it's a must fix and what we can ignore for example some tools uh, i have some chrome extensions and they still show me that i have no uh, meta text keywords on my pages you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> google doesn't consider this meta text for over 15 years bing as well can you tell how to find priorities yeah, I think, again, I kind of view the audit as twofold. So like you said, there's items that, you know, are going to provide value and move the performance needle. And then there's what I refer to as auditing against the audit. You know, things like, you know, oh, your meta descriptions are too long. You know, we don't want to not include those because we both know that it's probably not going to be the best use of your time to go across all your pages and make sure they're all within like 150 characters. However, I do always put that in my audit. And again, I call it auditing against the audit because it's not going to be uncommon for other agencies or freelancers to come in and try to get a hold of your contact and say, oh, you're paying for SEO. Did you know that your descriptions are too long? And because our points of contact don't necessarily know the difference between a quality finding and not a, a quality finding, if you don't surface that information, then they look as you're not doing your job. Mm -hmm. But going back to your core question of how do you know which recommendations add value? I would say it really comes down to your experience. You know, I think it's really hard for any tool to be able to tell you definitively, you know, here's a hundred things and these are the top five. I think what it is, is similar to your experience. It's like we have 10 plus years doing SEO. We know definitively, if you change title tags, that can have an SEO value. We know if you add image alt text, where image SEO is not a priority for you, that that's going to be a low return. So this is really where I think the big benefit of the individual behind the tool provides the value and not just the tool spitting out, you know, you have 312 errors.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's called SEO intuition, you know, <laughs> when it, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes I don't know why it's critical, but it's my intuition, you know, that shows, yeah, it's critical, you need to fix it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, can you tell more about uh, technical errors tools? Uh, you mentioned about uh, Screaming Frog, uh, Google Search Console, HRF, SEMrush. Uh, can you tell uh, which tools to use uh, and why it's important? Important. You know, uh, I completely agree with you about Google Search Console. It, it, uh, for me, it's the first place where to check out technical errors because these errors are important for Google. You know, yeah, the other tools are great, but uh, it's better to fix what is important for Google. And uh, I'm interested about getting a green line uh, with page speed insights because uh, many webmasters are crazy about that. Please give me a hundred percent green line. <laughs> Do we need to have this green line and uh, c- uh, share more about uh, useful features of uh, your uh, of technical error tools? Yeah. Yeah. So let me start. I'm going to be a little bit controversial because a lot of people probably won't say what I'm about to say. But when it comes to site speed, I think the value is strictly in your user's experience on the site. Mm-hmm. You know, Eli Schwartz and I, you know, have had this conversation in at length. The reality is if your site is loading at seven seconds right now, the amount of effort that it's gonna take you to go down to like sub one second on mobile, I can almost guarantee you, you're not gonna see strictly the SEO value in the amount of work that goes there. So, so many people in these audits just have, I'm not gonna say hundreds of pages, but it's just, you know, the copy paste from the page speed insights to, you know, minify your, your JavaScript and all of this. But I think it's important because strictly because this is the user experience. We all know if, if you're on your phone and, you know, it takes forever to load, you're probably gonna bounce off. But again, our job, you know, as SEOs is to focus on what does it take to be able to rank better? you know, to be able to drive more organic traffic. And you have to get those ranking positions to get people onto your site. So if we look at this directly as site speed equals better SEO, I'm going to go against the grain and say, I don't always think it's your top priority, simply because I know how much effort goes into this. You know, if you're able to do it quickly, great go ahead and do it but if it's going to take you know multiple sprints or take half your dev team you know to make these changes or you're going to have to re-platform to be able to hit certain benchmarks it's not going to be a priority for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think ux is uh, very important yeah for me it's more important than uh, technical optimization it doesn't mean that we need to ignore technical optimization because it's complex mechanism you need to consider both everything uh, including link building but uh, if you need to choose between ux and technical errors for me uh, ux is more important <laughs> yeah. and i would agree with you i think seo plays a significant role in a site's performance but you know, UX is channel agnostic. I mean, that's just individuals that are coming to your site. And we know that a faster speed, you know, website, you know, mobile friendly, you know, a good shopping experience. I mean, that's only going to increase in revenue. And that's Mm -hmm. all that really matters, whether it's SEO, paid search, or, you know, even direct visits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, What about other part of SEO, for example, link building. Do you provide these services or ignore them? 
So a lot of times I focus with large companies that have like their own PR teams. Mm -hmm. So I'm not typically going out and manually building links myself, but what I'm doing is working with their PR teams, understanding the efforts that they're already doing to get additional brand awareness and helping them optimize, you know, the, the process that they're doing. And, and I'll give you one example. And this was actually at my last agency before I went out on my own, but I worked with a PR team and I just basically said, Hey, walk me through your whole process. Like, what are your KPIs? You know, what makes something, you know, be considered a good, you know, PR effort. And they walked me through all this complex, you know, components. And then all of a sudden they got to the point where they're like, okay, placements are great. And then we use a bit.ly link to understand how many times people click on the links back to our sites. And mm -hmm. I literally stopped them right there. And I said, let me ask you a quick question. Are you mm -hmm. using bit.ly because that is kind of like a, a PR best practice? Or is it strictly because you want to know that that link was clicked 22 times? And they mm -hmm. go, oh, no, we just want a platform so that we can understand that's clicked 22 times. Mm -hmm. And I asked them, I said, are you familiar with Google Analytics and like the refer <laughs> component? And surprisingly, like you laugh, but, you know, and because it, it's so, you know, it's the back of our brain. Like we know this, but PR mm -hmm. people aren't always tied to the performance side of it. And they had no clue. Mm -hmm. So I literally opened up <laughs> analytics and I said, you realize if we were to use standardized links, we could get twofold value. So one, not only will you be building links naturally mm -hmm. back to our websites, yeah. but I can show you how to get, you know, those clicks, you know, also known as your referrals, because what they didn't understand, and it goes into a much bigger conversation is people that are listening today, you may or may not know if you use a URL shortener like Bitly, it goes through a redirect. So mm -hmm. in theory, you lose your SEO value by placing a Bitly link back to your website. So what mm -hmm. we were able to do is literally let them use, you know, direct URL links to the site, which now is adding significant SEO value. However, they are still able to track and report on their KPIs. And mm -hmm. we were able to unlock significant links back to our site simply because I asked the PR team to explain to me, how do you do your job? And I just shut up long enough <laughs> until I heard something that was like, ooh, 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 can I, can I talk? <laughs> like, let me walk through. And it was great because they were like, this is amazing. Because now what we can do is say, you know, we met all these KPIs, you know, that we need to report on from our PR perspective. But now mm -hmm. Nick and the SEO team are happy because they are telling us there's value from these links. And we got 10 of them or 100 of them. You know, so it allows them to look even better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know, I, I like this story, uh, especially, uh, you know, PR specialists are good with their directions and they care about traffic, you know, more than about uh, links. So they're good with that to provide traffic. And I think it's a good approach for even uh, many link builders who uh, create links uh, to get traffic as well, because Google might consider traffic uh, with those links. If you just uh, set links without any traffic, uh, I'm not 
sure it will provide a lot of value even if you touch big websites but yeah i, I love the story of course it's better to consider both you know pr and link building you know uh, practices but that's okay if they pay attention to get real traffic you know yeah love it <laughs> yes P- pr teams are a luxury like that yeah. like i said there's a benefit to working with larger clients which they typically have pr teams I do realize that most SEO engagements are going to be for smaller companies. So the manual linking, you know, certainly has its value. And like you said, I'll go against the grain too. You know, while we believe that, you know, no follow links do not provide SEO value, that doesn't mean that we don't want to get those placed. They may not provide SEO value, but any type of referral traffic you can get, you know, may lead to like a a conversion or maybe it's even an email signup. And those are things that you can attribute to your SEO efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have the question about uh, your process of cooperating with clients. For example, if someone wanna jump on this field uh, to sell SEO uh, services, can you tell how uh, your process looks like? For example, uh, uh, they reach out to you because you uh, set up some uh, messages, marketing messages on social media or on Upwork. Uh, how you cooperate with them? How you convince them? Uh, just uh, tell about your process. Yeah, so as I alluded to earlier, I am big into networking. I would say most of my work comes from either my personal branding efforts, you know, whether it be the SEO for Lunch newsletter that I write, you know, the podcast, the SEO freelancer, you know, or just building my network out. So through all those, either I'm getting my leads through those efforts or it's that network. So I get a lot of people that will say, oh, hey, I talked to Anatoly and he had recommended me to you. So mm-hmm. at that point, you know, because I am a solo freelancer, I don't have mm-hmm. a, the scale that a lot of agency people. So I'm very often, you know, telling people, no, I don't have the ability to take on more projects in which I will then try to send them to somebody else because no is a bad answer. So I always try to say no, but mm-hmm. however, let's say I do have an opportunity you know, to take on some additional work. And again, I will reiterate, I am probably the worst salesperson ever. In fact, I try to actively tell people not to work with me to try to kind of weed out who the good people you know, are. But for me, I, I like to jump on calls and it's just more so trying to understand what are your goals and what have you done previously to try to understand the or to obtain those. And, you know, a lot of this is just like, have you worked on SEO before? You know, how old is your website? You know, what kind of revenue are you driving right now? And it's just trying to get a better understanding of, you know, what they're currently doing, what type of success they have found. And I would say that also doubles down as an opportunity just to interview them to see if they are a good, you know, client. Because I do think that is one of the benefits as you become more established is you are kind of interviewing the potential client just as much as they are you. Whereas when you first start out, you know, you're trying to get anybody to kind of sign, you need to make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, I'll wrap up here. Um, so like I said, I talk and try to understand what do they need? What are their problem areas? You know, I'll ask questions about their, their budgets and, you know, just kind of like give them some ideas of the tactics and approaches that I would typically use and just try to make sure that those are a good fit and that they don't see any initial, you know, roadblocks or errors with moving forward with that. And then mm-hmm. at that point, yeah. if it works out well. And again, like I said, so many of those are like, I'm looking for them to tell me no. 
you know, <laughs> are you able to write content? You know, do you have a blog or an article section? No, we don't. Okay, is that something you're willing and able to invest in? No, we can't. Okay, well, now you've just kind of cut off one of the legs that is critical for SEO. You know, do you have a PR team? Are you interested in, in building links? No, we don't want to spend any of that money and we don't think it's valuable. Okay, you've just cut off another leg. You know, and another one is like, how quickly are you able to make changes to your website? If I'm asking you to make changes to the title tags or the canonical value, you know, is that something you can do fairly quickly within reason? No, we can't. Well, okay, now I'm just going to be completely honest and say, like, as much as I appreciate you reaching out, and I love that you have these great SEO goals, you're not put in a situation to allow yourself, let alone me, to succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, valuable. Love it. Uh, I have the, uh, the question about the future of freelancing. What do you think? What kind of future uh, are you expecting? Uh, big companies can replace all freelancers or uh, freelancers have a shiny future because of uh, this, this, this. Can you tell more about that? Yeah, I, I think the future is really bright for freelancers. And I will kind of put an asterisk on that because I think the key to succeeding in freelancing is being really good at what you're offering and your services. And the reason that I say that I think freelancers have such a big opportunity is really actually due to like COVID. I think within the pandemic, we realize very quickly that we don't always need to be in a fancy office. We don't need the pool tables and the ping pong tables to sell you know, this idea that we are a big agency you know, this is, you know, our big team, you know, this is how you get stuff done. You know, we're going to fly you out every couple months and we're going to wine and dine you because that's kind of the old agency model. I'd say in COVID or sorry, just kind of in this COVID pandemic, we really focused on what can you do for us? How can you provide value? What are the tangible results? And this really took that benefit of, you know, class walls, fancy dinners, you know, unlimited beer, you know, and those are things that were kind of a bonus, you know, to clients before, you know, whereas, you know, I wouldn't say it ever made up for poor results, but if your results were okay, it kind of helped you, you know, it, it was just an added extra. So um, going back to if freelancers are able to deliver, I think people are less afraid of relying on single individuals that aren't able to provide those additional, you know, quote unquote benefits. You know, it really just comes mm -hmm. down to provide value. Are you doing it? Yes or no. We don't really care mm -hmm. where you're located anymore. It's like, this is mm -hmm. just what's most important. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And I have the final question. Uh, for example, if you started today without any skills, knowledge, experience, what will you do to learn more about SEO? I think going back to personal branding, doing the work is by far the best way to learn SEO. Like go ahead and, and read your guides, read your articles, subscribe to the SEO for Lunch newsletter. Um, but really, you need to practice what you're reading. You can read all day long about how to do SEO. We can talk about the value of title tags. We can talk about technical and links and rendering and crawling. And, and all of that is great. But unless you're doing it and you understand how it works, you're not going to be able to build up your knowledge. So start by registering your domain, you know, write a blog, you know, 
donate some of your time to, you know, a, you know, a charity that might let you work mm-hmm. on their website. You know, I've, you know, seen people reach out to agencies and say, Hey, I'm willing to, you know, do work for minimum wage, you know, just like help me get the experience. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. really double down and say, do the work, like do your research, read a little bit, but ultimately everything that you read or watch, go back and do it. Like practice mm-hmm. makes perfect. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with that. Especially, you know, for example, I uh, think overlearning uh, doesn't help. Uh, overacting helps, you know, because, for example, if I learn something, we have short memory. I can forget anything for a few days. You know, for me, I can forget for a few hours, you know, anything, you know. Uh, after reading uh, a lot of blog posts, that's why when you uh, learn something, you can share with your audience. Yeah, it helps to grow your audience. Uh, it helps to memorize new skills uh, you can write blog posts uh, tutorials anything it helps to memorize and the second way is to act because nobody knows what actually works so you can find it you know just test everything uh, because you know for example it's the same like uh, reading books about how to play soccer if you don't play soccer I'm not sure you can get any results. You, you need actually play, you know, uh, without a uh, real game, without real uh, experience, you can't be success- successful. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, Nick, it's a big pleasure to get in my show. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yes, thank you again for having me, Anatoly. So again, you guys can find me online at nickleroy.com, you're on Twitter at, at nickleroy. I also write a weekly SEO newsletter that you can subscribe to at SEO for lunch or called SEO for lunch. And then finally, I have a podcast of my own that focuses specifically on SEO freelancing. If you're interested in checking that out, and that is at theseofreelancer.com. Guys, I recommend a hundred percent to eat this lunch and listen to this uh, podcast because you can see a lot of valuable insights, learn something new, uh, follow Nick on social media. It's a big pleasure again, you know, that you uh, found this time to share this valuable insights with uh, us. And guys, thanks for listening and watching us. You can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.